Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast where two licensed professional counselors and approved EMDR consultants discuss the latest research and resources for trauma treatment and EMDR therapy. Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. Today, Bridger and I are in a new studio. A home studio. A home studio with brand new equipment. So if you notice a difference in the audio quality, we hope you do. We hope you do. And we hope that it just becomes normal. Yes. Something you expect. I know. We're very excited. We're in my kitchen nook, (laughs) which has a big tree outside of it. So you're going to hear maybe birds chirping. And there's some rain happening. Yeah. So hopefully... squirrel community that's right nice ambient noise and Mm -hmm. but jen is not with us today so it's just bridger and i and we're actually bringing you guys a uh, kind of special episode today we're doing something a little different taking a break from our ego state series because we knew that jen would not want to miss our (laughs) ego state series and she's on vacation this week so um so this week we're going to do something special which is share with you guys something that we've been working on um, well, for months, actually. Been for almost a year. For almost a year, we've yeah. been working on this. Um, and you've heard us talk about our model, uh, somatic integration and processing, a little bit. And we've had some requests to explain it more in depth. Yep. And for any of you guys that have done consultation with us, you'll uh, be familiar with this because this is the model that here at BHC we use for all of our case conceptualization, mm-hmm. whether we're doing EMDR or any other kind of therapy. Because um, believe it or not, we do other things too. <laughs> <laughs> we do? Um, yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, so we wanted to share with you guys what is SIP, uh, what do we use it for. Well, and I can't remember if you said this, but we just completed our first training. Oh, that's true. Yes, yeah. we, d- we did our first live training. Um, we have been waiting to do this and waiting for COVID situation to re- yes. get a little bit better. And so we finally felt ready to do that. Um, so we did one in Miami, Oklahoma. Not the place you would expect. No, no. it has great Mexican food. It really does. <laughs> it does. We had the same place every day. Every single day. <laughs> um, and we had a great time, got you know wonderful feedback from the participants, yeah. learned a lot. And uh, so we just wanted to share with you guys about SIP and let you know that this training is now available. Hmm. We're going to be doing a virtual SIP training um, later this year. We're doing that May 6th through the 8th, and registration is open on our website at yeah. beyondhealingcenter.com under the trainings tab. Um, and uh, that is eligible for 21 CEs. So if you're needing more um, hours for this year and uh, you want to do that with us, that would be wonderful. We can also do live trainings. If you have a group, we would love to come to you. But um, in order to make that decision about whether this training is going to be a good fit for you and your practice, we wanted to do a little in-depth demonstration and share about what it is and why we think it's super fun. Yeah. So one of the, we have some just like, questions right now to help guide this conversation because if we just said we're going to talk about sip yeah it would just i mean it has it has gone on for hours and hours and hours and hours every i mean this is all we've been doing for a year Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's not wise to just turn on (laughs) a recording (laughs) especially with just the two of us no yeah Bridger and I lovingly refer to SIP as our baby. We feel that way. We are its doting parents. And so that attitude is going to come across here. The doting parents. And then in the four owners of BHC, we are the kites (laughs) of (laughs) the group, which means we are just like always. Uh, Easily swept away. Always ready to just float and be 
up in the sky. I don't think anybody that's been listening to us very long would is going to be surprised by, by that that's at all. Know that Jen is our anchoring force. Jen and her God. husband are the anchors. <laughs> that's true. And, we and they're on well vacation. <laughs> yes, so here we when are. They're away. Uh, oh. The kites will play. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Bridger, <laughs> you start with the first question What is SIP? Okay. So. I feel that there are like nine prefaces that need to be made, but um, put very simply, SIP is a case conceptualization model. Mm -hmm. It is not a way of doing therapy. Mm -hmm. It's not a modality modality or an intervention strategy. It seeks to inform the way and the why Mm -hmm. uh, behind what therapists are doing with their clients Mm -hmm. and how they make meaning of the information that the client is sharing with them Mm -hmm. as well as what the dynamic is like between the therapist and the client spends a lot of time paying attention to um, what is called the intersubjective space, Mm -hmm. which is when, uh, you know, transference, countertransference kind of gets at this, but it's, it's about, you know, when you and I, Melissa are having a conversation, it's like no other pair Mm -hmm. in the world Mm -hmm. because they're not us. Mm -hmm. And we, we make a unique third. Yes, exactly right. That's right. What's being recorded right now Mm -hmm. is the unique third. Mm -hmm. And if Jen were here, it'd be a unique fourth. Mm -hmm. Or if Caleb was here, it'd be a unique fourth or all five of us, you know, it, it, it would all be different. Um, that happens in the therapy room. Yes. And if we're not paying attention to that, we're missing out on a instrumental part of what it means to do uh, interpersonal mm-hmm. psychotherapy, which mm-hmm. is what a lot of us are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in a nutshell is what it is. And we're going to dive a lot more into it in the training. We go on for the first half of day one right. on what does it mean to have a case conceptualization model? Right. Um, and what is case conceptualization? Yes. It's not just treatment it's planning. It's not treatment planning. I don't it's know true. if everyone knew that. It is helpful with treatment it planning. It is a part of. Yes. <laughs> treatment planning is a part and, of case conceptualization. And it is also not just a biopsychosocial history. No. It is much broader, bigger, beefier, yeah. and uh, frankly more meaningful right. and useful to us therapeutically than just gathering a bunch of random tidbits of information about somebody's life and calling that a history. Right. And um, I think that's part of what we do in SIP is gather information. Um, But the bigger thing is how do we make sense of that information? Case conceptualization is about being able to look at that information and organize it in a way that makes meaning of it that then guides the therapeutic journey. And that information, that that phrase, that information is always unfolding millisecond by millisecond. We are never done with the gathering of the information. Ever, 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 ever. Yes. One of my my favorite things about SIP is that I I feel like it gives us a lot of guidance about what information matters. Yeah. What to pay attention to. Yes. Like what do I, you know, what do I highlight in my notes? What Mm -hmm. do I make note of? Yeah. You know, when the client is sharing their random stories for the week, as most clients do, how do I take that story and actually gain something from it therapeutically mm-hmm. and know where it goes and know why it matters and why out of all of the stories they could tell me, why are they telling me this story, right? Mm. So I feel like what SIP does is it helps us look at whatever situation we're in with a client, whatever kind of therapy we're doing, whatever stage of treatment we're in, and it gives us lenses to look through that help us see a much fuller picture and guide what we're doing with the client in a really, really meaningful way. The other thing that I think it does beautifully is that it helps us prioritize. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because so much of the time, um, when particularly in EMDR, right? When somebody comes in, sometimes they're coming in going, I don't really know what I need to focus on, yeah. right? I just know that I feel anxious all the time. Yeah. I just know that I'm struggling with depression or that I keep having bad relationships. And we have this beautiful tool in EMDR and we have this issue that they're complaining about, but bridging the gap and saying, how do I target mm. something in your past that is actually going to get at this issue? Now in EMDR, we have a lot of tools to help us with that. Things mm -hmm. like the float back, et cetera. But for some people, their history is so extensive, we could end up with 40 targets yeah. that might be relevant to that. So how do we, you know, look at all of that information and say, out of all of this, here's what's the most important. Yeah. And I think one of the important parts to me is just in the um presenting issue of whether it be a session or a, a client's presentation in, in general mm -hmm. how do you know where to go mm -hmm. how do you know what's relevant right in a in a in a presenting issue you could just lean on what you feel comfortable with or right. you might start thinking of well you know this presenting issue is likely related to these mm -hmm. things but mm -hmm. that's a hypothesis number one mm -hmm. and SIP comes along and helps you understand, just as we said, what's relevant, but right. also how to start setting up the session to mm -hmm. uncover more relevant information. Right. Yeah. right. Well, and I, I think it also does a, a really good job of telling us where the barriers are. Yeah. So even when we have a pretty good idea of like, okay, here's where we need to go in therapy. Um, here's how we're going to address the issue. The anticipation of what are we likely to run into that's going to slow us down or get in our yeah. way? And how do I begin to anticipate that in a meaningful way so that I can um, help the client overcome that pretty quickly when mm -hmm. we hit it? And I'm not surprised by it yeah. when we run into that particular barrier. Um, and I'm an EMDR, that's so useful. Um, you know, the, part of the way that we do EMDR here at BHC is in intensives and retreats. Yeah. So we had to figure out a way, and honestly, I think SIP was kind of born out of this place a need. of a need. Yeah. yeah. How do I better understand what's relevant and make right. use of my time? Because I've got nine hours with this the person to change their life. Ticking. The <laughs> clock is ticking. Yes. I know there is. There, there's this uh, kind of intense feeling when you're a therapist in a retreat situation like that where, you know, someone has taken a huge chunk of time out of their life. Um, you know, they're investing financially in this and they want a tangible result. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, they've flown here from all over the country mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that they really get um, a major shift and something yes. that feels substantial to them out of that investment. With something to take home with yes. them. Yes. Yes. Something that is very relevant and practical. And yeah. so, you know, for months, well, actually some years now, Jen and I have been, um, you know, doing this style of work and uh, trying to figure out how do we really, really hone in on the issue that they want to work on yeah. in a way that's going to get them change really, really quickly, yeah. but in a really deep way as well. Mm -hmm. We're not interested in just surface level change. And so some of what SIP is came out of the very practical need of getting very good yes. and efficient yes. at uh, creating change for our clients really quickly. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, was one of the reasons why we did write it. Yeah. Uh, how would you answer that question? Why did we do this, Bridger? <laughs> well, so I think, I think the why we did it has a lot to do with still even a deeper explanation of what is it. Mm. Um, you know, when somebody presents for therapy and you have to start reflecting on all of the theories that you're aware of or yeah. all of the things that you, um, 
use to help explain what's showing up in the room. Right, right. For us, those fall under three main categories yeah. that yeah. we care about. And all of us kind of came to the same one. Well, ones. Like well when and we... what's fascinating and just so beautiful, I think, is that was not the hard part of the training. What are we going to include in this? No, that was the it easy was part. Like, that, well, yes. all we care about yes. are these three These are main... the things that we talk about constantly. Yes, yes, yes. And so just, you know, we're not going to go super in-depth on them. Um, but this, to me, is a, an explanation of why we wrote it. Because mm-hmm. there's not, uh, in our awareness, mm-hmm. in all humility, uh, there's not a model of case conceptualization that incorporates quite to the degree that SIP does mm-hmm. these three theories. Right. So right. without further ado, we're going to get into the three yes. theories. So obviously, because this is an EMDR podcast and we do EMDR a lot, um, it's, it's a primary modality, modality and case conceptualization tool. Uh, we use AIP mm-hmm. as one of the fundamental theories, and we're mm-hmm. building a Venn diagram of three major circles. Mm-hmm. So if you can just picture that in your mind. Yeah, sort of like the little Olympic circles, except yeah. there's only three. And it's a triangle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, they're overlapping in that way uh-huh. so that you'll see SIP emerge from the overlap of right. the Venn diagram. Right. So there's AIP. There is, and many of you uh, have listened to our polyvagal theory podcast mm-hmm. uh, episodes, um, but that is uh, the, the second theory that we really dive into so not just looking at the way memory and uh, presence is organized Mm -hmm. uh, how the past shapes the present and the future but also how that recruits the entire uh, mammalian nervous system Mm -hmm. to operate and animate the system and the importance as the therapist of being able to uh, assess states of activation yeah that's right in our client's nervous system, monitor them throughout yeah. our therapeutic process, and be in the moment responsive to. Yes, and the to state. understand the the necessity mm-hmm. that system feels in using those strategies. Mm-hmm. It's not an option; mm-hmm. it is a requirement, right. and it uses all of mammalian biology to make that happen. Right. And then the third and final, or the primary, in my mind, mm-hmm. but that's my selfish plug because <laughs> I, I this is just where I come from. Yes is the third uh, circle of the Venn diagram is attachment and neurodevelopment. Um, And that is where we draw so much of our uh, understanding of how does memory get formed? Mm -hmm. How does a person's nervous system get formed? How do their personalities get formed? All of the things that they're showing up as, as the person in your room, came from their attachment and neurodevelopment experiences. Right. Right. The environment and, that they were literally yeah. built in. Yes, and this is deeper than way. just like, oh, do they have a secure or insecure attachment mm-hmm. style? No, this looks at the building of the brain mm-hmm. through experience-dependent attachment experiences. Right. Like, it, it goes so deep into, this is how a person is built. Right. And so if you're going to start inviting that person to change you need to have an awareness of how they got there in the first place. Right. And that's deeper than just AIP's memories. That's deeper than just PVT's shaping of the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And it's deeper than just attachment experiences. It's all three of these right. to us. Which is why, you know, when we when we looked at these three theories, the only thing that really made sense was to identify the ways in which they overlapped. And yeah, it's, that's right. it's within the overlap because you know, AIP is looking at the nervous system and an attachment and how those experiences shaped us. PVT mm. is in response to those experiences. And so, you know, keeping them separate makes absolutely no, no sense. sense. We can't no. look at our cases through just this lens and then yeah, set it right. aside and then pick up the other one and look at the case through that lens. It's by looking at our clients through all three lenses at the same time. Yeah. 
that it's sort of like the the truth of the matter pops off the page yeah. in a really and just as we were way. describing intersubjectivity that it's the third that melissa and i are creating right now mm-hmm. that is this recording in sip it is what comes when these three theories are brought together right it's what emerges as sip not the individual parts right so really uh i think there's a tendency to get lost in one of the theories because they are mm. all so vast. Oh, they're so rich. Yes. We could spend days on yes. each one. But Maybe that, someday we'll do that. <laughs> remember, this is about organizing and efficiency. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to see what's relevant here, not getting a full attachment history, which is helpful, right. or you know, a full presentation on either of the Venn diagrams. Right. But it's about here's what emerges when these three things come together. Mm-hmm. And you can actually start to see, you can take leaps that you know Right. They're not gambles. Right. They're likelihoods right. of this well, is how somebody came to be. Okay, so good example of this. Yeah. That I feel like, you know, when we started working with this and really doing it deliberately because we yeah. had been doing it, you know, intuitively and uh, kind of behind the scenes, but as we were developing this model. Uh, Which that's why about, we wrote it. Yeah. Because we were doing it. All of us were yeah, doing we're it behind doing the it scenes intuitively. and needed an organizing And when principle. we, you know, stood in front of giant whiteboards and, you know, wrote yeah. out all of the things that we're kind of intuitively doing as therapists that we feel like are fundamental to our practice, turns out they were all the same. Yeah. <laughs> which is probably why we like each other and hang and out And work together. Yeah. yeah. And work together and influence each <laughs> other a lot. business together. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so j- just as an example of this, um, and we're going to talk more about this case towards the, the end of the episode because I have a recording to share with you guys on our Patreon. Um, but when I was working with this individual in a retreat, we kind of hit this point where we knew the basic issue that she wanted to work on, yeah, which was um, you know anxiety at work. She herself was a therapist, and mm-hmm. she was noticing that there were certain clients that she just dreaded yeah. working with. She would look at her calendar for the day, and her, you know, PVT, states mm-hmm. of activation, would immediately start. Yeah. And uh, um, so as we were exploring this, it wasn't super obvious, right? She's a, she's a EMDR trained therapist, certified. She knows, yeah. you know, all of the, you know, way beyond the basics of AIP, and she wasn't easily able to identify, yeah. you know, what's, what's the issue here? Where is this coming from? Yeah. And uh, for me, the, the thing that really illuminated the whole deal was when we did, you know, okay. And, and I, in, in the session with her, and you hear it on the recording, I literally draw out the circles and we're talking through each one. Yeah. And we were um, able to do uh, the AIP one pretty easily because she was so familiar with that. But when we did that, there wasn't anything that just jumped out at like, oh, well, we got to target Here's that. origins. Yes. Yeah. Like clearly that's yeah. where it came from. It wasn't like that. Um, and so when we were working on attachment, you know, there was some family stuff, but it was one of those things where, was that the real issue? I'm mm-hmm. not really, you know, it's a little vague here. But when we brought in the body and when we looked at uh, her states of activation and I started asking the questions that I do when I'm trying to understand the strategy of her nervous system mm-hmm. through the lens of SIP and even deeper in PVT, um, she started telling me just little bits of information because of direct questions that I was asking that just painted the whole picture perfectly clearly. Yeah. And, you know, so an easy example of that was uh, she shared stories about when she was young 
um, that she would get physiological symptoms. Mm. She would get skin rashes. She would break out really badly, and she would flush easily. There, yeah. were, there were these lots certain, of sympathetic energy. Lots of sympathetic yeah. energy. And here's what I know. I mean, we all know about sympathetic energy. That means fight or flight. That's right. We're in it. And so looking at... Hyperarousal. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So so where was the hyperarousal happening? Yeah. Why was that happening? So I just want to stop right there for yeah. just a second. Hold where you are, though. Okay. Because... Bookmark. Yes, bookmark it. Because that right there is an example of how you don't need to... You don't have to ask more questions mm -hmm. to know if this is true. The mm -hmm. body is already showing you. Yeah. The body is telling you, you know, I have flushes. What's the problem? Yeah, I have mm -hmm. rashes. I have. There's too much heat in the system. Yeah, too much heat. Yeah. Too too much acid. Like we're we're inflammation, mm -hmm. and where inflammation is, you know that the sympathetic nervous system That's is involved. Right. That's, That's just right. what it says. Yeah. So you don't have to go into, you know, what were the dynamics of that, and why, you know, you don't have yeah. to spend time on that. Yeah. You can, which will mine yeah. more information. But yeah. we're on a larger purpose here. Mm -hmm. We're going for something that is, what consequence did this nervous system presentation have when AIP comes in and when attachment neurodevelopment comes in? Yeah. And so exactly to that point, because of all of those little bits of information that she shared about PBT, her states of yes. activation, her sympathetic system, my next question was the thing that just sort of illuminated yep. everything, which is what made you angry when you were a kid? There it is. Yes. Okay. So right there, <laughs> I want to break that down a little bit because and this is kind of what a <laughs> what a consultation would look like. It's but true. Mel got to anger um, just by that presentation mm -hmm. of the nervous system, mm -hmm. which requires only one association: mm -hmm. that anger is a mobilization issue. Anger is a a sympathetic mobilization issue. Yes, she had two. We knew it was sympathetic. And yes, in the sympathetic system, we've either got fight or flight and when anger doesn't have an accepted outlet mm -hmm. it must go inward mm -hmm. it never goes away right you know the neurodevelopment when we get into affective circuitry which is in the neurodevelopment you see that it never goes away because right. this is a structural reality right. in the brain right so to say that i didn't get angry as a kid uh in a situation where you should have that's mm -hmm. not true mm -hmm. it just went inward right and that's why we start to see potentially uh, though I'm pretty sure some uh, some of these rashes start coming yes. out or these these flushings, this hyper arousal yes. because they have there all of these emotions. For the anger yes. To go. Yes. yes, have all of these emotions that they can't express, so they have to go somewhere. Yes. And our body our, our um, body says, well, I'll, I can keep them somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the the same exact story would be true with a different symptomological presentation of somebody that is having you know chronic muscle tension in certain places in their body. Um, IBS. Or IBS, yes. Yeah. And I asked a lot, a lot of questions about, you know, digestion and things like that. And we explored all of that. And it became very clear just by the body presentation that she was in sympathetic mobilization the majority of the time. Of yes. course, she dropped down into dissociation every well, once so in a while. Well, so that's the other point of if anger is not allowed out, right. the nervous system has to get creative right. because sympathetic is not appropriate. Mm -hmm. So we have to now start blending in some right. dorsal dissociation. Which is exactly what was happening when she saw those clients on her schedule. That's right. Because it's not appropriate. Appropriate get... to get mad at my clients. Yes, <laughs> voila, here we are. Now we have yes. insight and understanding. Yes, when yes. she when she was a child, she had one strategy, yes. which is she would try to stand up for herself, but felt very powerless and stuck in those situations, yeah. and like nobody really saw her clearly. Yeah. Or even if they did, nobody knew how to help her. And yeah. So it was kind of this flailing, powerless feeling of I'm fighting and nothing is really happening. Yes. 
And that is still her strategy yes. with her family. Yes. And so we addressed that piece of it and we addressed, you know, we targeted specific memories of trying to take care of herself by expressing this anger and how it would just fall flat in her family mm. and not get the result that she really needed. She still ended up feeling unsupported, unknown, not necessarily unloved, yeah. but just uh, underprotected. Yes. And that created that activation in her system. But then, you know, fast forward into adulthood in situations where it's not appropriate for her to use that same strategy yeah, of coming right. against the situation in anger, like with clients. Yes. She was experiencing this. We've got to sublimate. Yes. This new strange symptom of shutdown. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Now I have to experience something that I'm which not is terrifying. Yes. 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 Um, because that anger was uh, being chosen as a more favorable option than shutdown, because it usually is. It certainly feels better and usually works yeah. better. When we use this language of chosen, mm-hmm. uh, we mean it very intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, often in consultation, uh, people will kind of give me puzzled looks when I start talking this way, because it sounds like I'm saying there are uh, little workers pulling levers in the body. Well, that's exactly how I think about it. <laughs> it is me too. And I think it's so helpful to explain it that way yeah. because there are conscious there is consciousness in your body that you are not aware of. Well, here's the interesting thing. Science does not believe that. Yeah. And so in the world of therapy, that's this right. is where we start kind of, you know, crossing over like one of the basic postulates of Western science. Yes. Is nature must be objective. It cannot have purpose or consciousness. Yeah, and I and I think what, which by the way I totally disagree with because a sect nature <laughs> of science believes that. Yes, and it's a common narrative yes. because like, if you get into reading affective neurobiology or something mm-hmm. like that, they have no problem delineating layers of consciousness within the structures of the brain. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that means that what you normally have conscious awareness of is your neocortex, this like right. thinking part of the brain, right. the top part that everybody sees, but. There is consciousness in the mammalian and in the reptilian right. brain. This is like a rabbit trail. I know. Can, I'm I'm currently reading about this right now. I read a lot of anthropology because I find it fascinating. Yes. And he's the, anyway. There's a book I'm reading that is talking about this, and so this is a rabbit trail that I'm going to say <laughs> hello and wave We're not to. Gonna do. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the neurobiology yes. of consciousness. No, right come now. on, please. <laughs> Even though it's a beautiful it. subject. I was hoping you'd collude with me. I know, I know. Darn. We only have so much time. Um, but yeah, so I think you know when when we start to have these different lenses and they all come together and begin to overlap, it's so much easier to make. Um, I don't want to say quick, but really well-informed, efficient decisions about what to focus on and what to let pass by. Yeah. And you can start to see that in this dynamic where you have a forbidden affect, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are interpersonal um, realities, consequences, et cetera, conditions that form that person's sense of self and sense of identity and sense of uh, their understanding of other people, mm-hmm. you know, all of this has ties to everything. Yeah. All, all of this forbidden affect right. has within it the story of her nervous system. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about finding breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. Well, we just found like a chunk of bread. Right. right. <laughs> you know, like, this oh, one is a big one. <laughs> I see. I see more now. Um, yes. And that is what helps us make these really informed um, decisions about where to go therapeutically, because yeah. if you have a forbidden affect and you all, you are already showing signs that your body bought into that mm-hmm. and said, okay, well, I'll help you deal with it. Mm-hmm. I will sublimate that and I'll turn it into inflammation mm-hmm. uh, and digestive we'll issues. It in a different whatever. Way. Yeah. yeah. 
then that means also that the expectations from others and for others have changed Mm -hmm. of, well, they can't, they won't accept me. Yeah. It's not safe for me to be as angry as I actually am or as afraid as I actually am. So yes, that quickly gets associated with, well, maybe, maybe people aren't okay with a lot of your emotions. Mm -hmm. Maybe any of them. Mm -hmm. You should find out which one they like and then stick to that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which the fascinating thing in this person's case was that she was able to identify as the angry person. Interesting. And adopt that as, well, this is who I am. The the forbidden emotion was the fear. Fear. And You can be angry because that's powerful, but you can't be afraid because that's weak. Exactly. I see. Well, not even so much weak, but it... There's a vulnerability in being fearful in front of others that was just intolerable because she saw the weakness of others. Oh. Right? When when oh, parents yeah, when parents did not have an answer to the anger. Yeah. When they were, you know, flustered and overwhelmed and well, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to help you. And uh, you know, here's my big anger and the the adults in my life seem overwhelmed by my anger and I'm a kid. Yeah. Whoa. Other people can't handle Other me. Other people can't handle me. And so maybe, maybe I just have to be strong all the time and I can't rely on any individual. Yep. So the price that I'm willing to pay in order to stay strong is that means I can never be soft. Yeah. I can never be vulnerable. I can never let go. I can never let down. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. And so the, the long-term consequences of living that way, you guys can imagine what those are. Yeah. And, uh, but as you said, she still went on to have a family. Oh, yeah. And so that right there also shows you just wild creativity in yes. the nervous system, yes. the deals that our nervous system is willing to, to, yeah. to sign mm-hmm. to still have, quote unquote, a normal life, right. but not deal with any of the underlying right. issues. Right. And they, you know, they were strewn throughout her life. And yeah. she was very aware of them because this is a really self-aware human being that has done a lot of healing work. But the, the piece that couldn't shift was that basic set-in strategy that her nervous system had formed of, I must be strong at all times. I can only show anger. I can never show fear. I can never show yeah. weakness. I can never show vulnerability. I can't soften into relationship the way that I really crave. Except she had one section of friendships, a group of women that she could. Mm. And so that, you know, we'd spent a lot of time using... Strengthening and, Yeah, that. utilizing yeah. that as a resource mm-hmm. of... She had found this lovely little pocket that was a disconfirming experience to that early life strategy. And so once again, choosing, you know, what resources are going to be the most potent Mm. by looking through these lenses of SIP, I know exactly where to go. Where, where are those disconfirming experiences where you got to do a different strategy than your nervous system uh, had previously learned, had previously learned and really clung to as this is the right one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So that's just kind of, you know, one fun example. Um, yeah. And how we utilize SIP and what uh, just the power and the efficiency of what it can do and how supportive it is to the therapist. Yes. The other main reason why we created SIP, um, at least from Jen and I's perspective, and, you know, Bridger, you're kind of uh, coming along and uh, learning more and more about what this feels like. But when we do consultation with other therapists, especially with EMDR, but for any therapy, both Jen and I you know, do a lot of supervision and consultation, um, hands down, the number one question that we always got was about case conceptualization. How do you decide what to do? Yeah. How do you decide what to focus on? Yeah. Why do you Why do you know what to do? Mm-hmm. Why do you know what <laughs> why to do? do? Why do you, yeah, or, yeah the, I would say um, the, one of the main questions that I get all the time on consultation why do you know that? 
How do you know that? How do you know that? Yeah, <laughs> yes. And the how do we know that is SIP. Yeah. And even before SIP existed, it was the elements of SIP that were supporting us to uh, come to these conclusions really pretty quickly. And yeah. it feels like... Um, Not needing a lot of information. No, no. You know, talk to me for five minutes about yep. a human being, and I can tell you a lot about what their history is and what their and that's chosen not nervous because system strategy is. necessarily because of your brilliance. No, no, it's no. It's the I, organizing principles of SIP. Right. I mean, I'm quite... Uh, willing to have my <laughs> ego flattered as much as possible. No one is shocked, but the truth is, uh, it's just you know having the right tools at our disposal, and and more importantly, knowing what to do with the tools that we have. Well, and I I think for me, what SIP was um, and is is something to build community around. Yeah, and that to me. Say more about that. What do you mean? Yeah. So frankly, I, I think our model for consultation. Um, where when you have a question, you come to seek an answer. Mm -hmm. I think that is a very shallow and sad understanding of how to do just professional development in general. Well, okay. That sounds a bit intense. Let's well, back it up what just I mean a second. By it, hold on. Let me clarify what <laughs> okay. I mean by it. What I mean by it is that wouldn't it be great if we had a community of people that was just naturally coming together to start sharing mm -hmm. in a shared language mm -hmm. in you know a framework that we understood together wouldn't it be great if we didn't feel so alone as therapists exactly yeah. mm -hmm. but i think our model of consultation somewhat reinforces mm -hmm. in isolation right it somewhat says when you have a question you can come seek an answer right well and i mean i think even beyond that is just the uh the um unfortunate reality that for a lot of people affording regular consultation yes. just is not a possibility yes. i couldn't when yes. i was a brand new baby therapist oh my gosh a hundred dollars yeah. an hour are you kidding me i'm yes. eating ramen and other things to yes. survive um and so you know i think part of our goal is to have sip available in a way that it's kind of a an ongoing support but what creating that common yes. language means that you don't just have to go to a, an expert or somebody exactly. that specializes in this, but it's becoming embedded into the culture so we have shared support in the whole community. That's exactly when right. When we have common lenses to look through, we're able to support each other so much better because we're all speaking the same language. Exactly. Yep. And that's what I say in my consultation is that the first training that we do, which there's a basic and an advanced training of SIP, but the basic training is one that just catches you up on, mm -hmm. on the language yeah. here's yeah. how to use the ideas yeah. here's how to start speaking in a way that we can all understand what yeah. you mean yeah we and do then, deep dives on each of the theories yes yeah well deepish dives there's not, even deeper dives yeah not super <laughs> deep it, i don't know how to clarify that but yeah uh because there's an advanced training so that just should tell you all that you we, need we to go know. deeper you, we do go deeper. then there's such depth mm -hmm. oh mm -hmm. it's beautiful mm -hmm. but the basic training is just catching everybody up on the language so that when yeah. we come together again, forming that inner subjective space between those that have been through this, mm -hmm. we can now start speaking in a way that is just wildly efficient, mm -hmm. so deep, so accurate, so mm -hmm. meaningful, um, that community just flourishes right, right. when we have a shared language. Yeah, And that, you know, and you guys have heard us talk about kind of our big dreams and goals for yes. Beyond Healing Center. And that is, you know, our number one mission and vision is to continue to find more and more ways to be a support to therapists and create um, a community of healers that yeah. is circled around common ideals of being excellent at the work that we do. That's right. Grounded in science, but also believing in trusting the process and what that means for us. 
um, and really, really leaning on each other. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, not having a hierarchy just for the sake of hierarchy, but having ways of mentoring each other. Um, and at least here at BHC, I mean, we practice what we preach. We all do consultation with each other sort of constantly. It's just unfolding. Uh, I have a client I really need to talk to you about, Bridger. Okay. <laughs> We're totally stuck. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> um, man, we should record that sometime. That would be fun. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, I think that what we're looking at over the next several months is really finding more and more ways to be supportive to you guys, to our community, and bringing us all together around um, this common language. And here on Notice That, the focus is and always will be on EMDR because it's, you know, at least for Jen and I, our first love and been the most important thing in our career to guide us to where we are now. Um, and we're committed to that, but more and more, you know, weaving in the the science that is coming out in our field to really support the work that we do, um, yeah. and bringing all of that together just mm-hmm. makes us all better at what we do, that's and that's right. what we're committed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, who can use this? Everybody. Well, <laughs> that is the takeaway. Yes, every single person. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I know during the training, there was, you know, so many moments of reflection from the participants about, you know, yeah, I'm thinking about my clients, but I'm also thinking about how I parent. Yeah. Or my (laughs) kid's school. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm thinking about educational settings. I'm thinking about medical settings. I'm thinking about sports teams that, um, yeah, oh my gosh, all of the, the traumatic things that happen and, uh, different situations that kids are just in all the time, or we as humans are in all the time. And so it's a way of understanding what it means to be human and the things that matter most to our human experience, um, at every level. Yeah. Um, so one of the crazy things that we did not mention, and I can't believe we forgot to mention this, is that one of the main images and concepts that we use in SIP is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes. It's like the, you know, front and center, um, image that we use. There's something going on in the psychology, uh, that makes Maslow just assumed (laughs) for me. Like, it's just like. Well, it of course. Is. It's foundational. I mean, it's literally what it's, you, you learn really need to day talk one about of <laughs> Psych 101. Yeah, but our There was model this guy named Maslow. <laughs> and he knew what was up. He did. He really did. <laughs> yeah. And he liked triangles. Yes, yes. Um, and so, at yeah, with SIP, it, it is the first kind of model that we developed was yeah. how do we use... Uh, my cliche statement was that, you know that thing that you learn in, in, in college and then in graduate school that's so foundational mm-hmm. to the development of a human? Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting that... That no, no theory? No yes. theory, no model uses this? Yes, yes. And I think that was the first time Melissa was just like, well, we will. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then yeah. I drew it in a, yeah, on a giant whiteboard in my living room. Yeah, so we use it. there for a long time. We overlay so much onto it, yeah. but it is at the core of what SIP is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I think who can use it? If you're human, you can use it. But as therapists, what it means for us and, and where its power is in, make, is in making us very, very efficient and clear. That's right. In why am I doing what I'm doing? Why uh, are the things working that are working? Why are the things not working that aren't working? Yeah. And what are the barriers that we are facing or likely to face? And what do I do about them preemptively and when we hit them? Mm. And so what I have experienced so far is that utilizing SIP as an overlay to all of the work means that I feel so supported. Mm -hmm. And even when, you know, invariably we have a messy session. It's like, well, I don't know what we did that day, but I think something got done. (laughs) Um, When we overlay the SIP lens and look at it, it's like, oh, 
I totally understand why that was a total mess. Yeah. What felt like a train wreck was actually a beautiful eruption of exactly what needed to erupt. That's right. And now I know what to do about the mess that just happened. Yes. Right? And how to actually um, turn that into something therapeutic and meaningful for the client. Um, and so I think that's really where its strengths are is that it supports us as therapists. It makes us efficient. It makes us not fast, but faster. Yeah. In the same way that EMDR makes us uh you know, faster, but not, it's not just a cure all. We don't snap our fingers and everybody's better and SAP right. doesn't either, but it is so rich and supportive in the work that it, uh, every facet. Yeah, yeah. It takes away the feeling of kind of floundering around and crossing your fingers and, yeah. and hoping that we're yeah. doing the right thing. Yeah. yeah. Cause even in a space where, where that feeling does set in, like Mel, you just mentioned that you have a case that you feel stuck in, mm -hmm. even that stuckness mm -hmm. can be explained. Right. and be made sense of oh i've got an explanation for this yes, stuckness yes i'm just uh, what to do yeah i'm like well i have tried a few things and i'm not getting the results that i expected yeah which so there's means, something curious going yes, on yes yes yeah. so my conceptualization is missing a piece or two and uh, sometimes borrowing and that brain. is what yes that's what community is for yes. right there of well you know it's not about um well you should be doing this mm -hmm. why are you doing this mm -hmm. but what have you tried and how is that going? Mm -hmm. And what what do you and know about the respond? process? Yes, exactly. Yes. What do you know about the process? That's yeah. what consultation through yeah. BHC is. Mm -hmm. Group consultation is about uh, not somebody coming to the room saying, I know the exact way to do this no, and so you should be all. doing it. No. That is so disrespectful mm -hmm. to the process of, mm -hmm. of consultation and the, con and the process of building community. Yeah. We view consultation as let's come together with shared wisdom and a, an agreement that we're mm -hmm. mutually going to collaborate mm -hmm. and share space because the intersubjective space that we create together can do anything. Yeah. yeah. I really, the thing that I love the most about doing training and consultation with SIP is that when you're talking to a therapist, you know, my experience of therapists is that we all are so dedicated to trying to do the best we can. But sometimes for a myriad of reasons, we can feel that we're not operating optimally. Yeah. We're doing subpar work, not mm. because that's what we want to do, but because we don't know how to do any differently. Yeah. And SIP feels like the thing that comes along and no matter what context you're in, helps yeah. you refine your work, get really clear on how do you focus your energy. Um, you know, we were recently talking to someone and she was explaining how sometimes in um, therapy with kids, she feels like all she did was color a picture that day and she yeah. doesn't know if that mattered or not. Oh. Right. And the thing is, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Yeah. It's hard to know. But with SIP, we come along and say, okay, with these small adjustments, with these um, moments of focus, yes. by highlighting certain aspects of the interaction, and, you know, stepping into that inner subjective space with a lot more awareness, I can take the same activity, the same thing we've been doing and make it so much more meaningful and yes. therapeutic yes. and nourishing yes. both to client and therapist. So I never have to leave a session going, well, I hope that did something. Right. Because that is like the worst possible thing for it's us. It's a horrible in feeling. It's like, did I do something meaningful today? Is this I'm therapy? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And that, you know, is one of the things that leads to burnout for yeah. us. And so understanding the work that we're doing and why it is making a difference is so, so beneficial to us. Yes. Um, so one of the last things I want us to talk about today is we've talked about this training. Mm -hmm. What can people expect coming oh, to a basic training? training? Yeah. Yeah. So the basic SIP training, um, I feel like the, the lived experience of it for mm. the therapists that have been through it so far 
two main comments we've gotten. One, it felt incredibly affirming and encouraging in the sense of it helped them make sense of why they were intuitively doing what they were doing. Yeah. When they didn't know why, it just felt right. Yeah. And then SIP comes along and says, here's why this feels right to you. Yes. Right? Or here's why that doesn't feel right to you when you're being told to do it by your agency and you really don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got that as well. Um, but it's very, very affirming and encouraging in the work that we're already doing and then that feeling of enhancement. Yeah. Right? Let's let's take the the tools, the skills, the things that you're already doing give you these lenses to look through so that you can do them even better. Yeah. You know, get uh, more impact with the same work and make your work more efficient with your clients. And so that was the, um, one of the first big reactions we got. We also got, it was kind of like drinking from a fire hose. (laughs) It's a lot, but considering that, you know, you're taking three days out of your life, we believe in uh, lovingly overwhelming you with information. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's 21 CEs. That's right. So it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of content um, and really meaningful content. And the way that we try to support people through that is, you know, consultation after the fact to help with integration and implementation. But also all of the materials that we use in the training. If you've gone to the training, you can get access to them. Yes. All the slides. All the slides. All the handouts. All the handouts. Everything is there. Yeah. Um, and we have it on a, a Kajabi, which is a, a learning site online, so that you can revisit it for months afterwards to yep. help with your own integration process because we get how important that is yes. when you're learning new information. Yes. Yeah. So the, the structure of the three days um, is set up around explaining what case conceptualization is, mm-hmm. um, helping us understand each of the three theories at least to a uh, proficient degree to where yes. we can talk about yes. them and use the concepts. And then we go straight into mapping Um, out a case conceptualization and Mm -hmm. then mapping on the triangle and learning how to use the intersubjective space and therapy to uh to facilitate yeah uh, disconfirming experiences and growth opportunities and we spend a lot of time talking about real life cases yes and we even do a demo yes we do a demo session that's right (laughs) last time we did it live i don't know that we'll do that yeah (laughs) the next time um but yeah we make sure that it's very clear how this applies in real life and you know bringing that theory into a moment-to-moment application is so essential um when we're learning something new And uh, the other thing that we wanted to mention is that the integration of SIP and EMDR is so seamless. Seamless. Um, So much so that we are uh, writing a a day-long training that will be all about the integration of SIP and EMDR. And and we'll get that approved through MDRIA to be uh, MDRIA advanced credits um, that people can take as well because that... And, you know, when we were writing SIP over and over, we would say, oh, my gosh, this is like exactly what the eight phases says. Yes. And rather than being a replication of it, it's a deepening and an understanding of why do we do what we do in EMDR? Yeah. That's why right. does it work the yeah. way that it works? Why do we see the results that we see? Um, so that overlay is really, really fun and yeah. beautiful. And so we'll uh, have a day that you can add on um, to help you with that integration as well. Yeah. So um, we've mentioned that. We have a lot of resources available on our Patreon. Mm-hmm. And so I think just directing people to that. Yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash Beyond Healing Center. That's it. all there. That's yeah. it. And that is really the platform we're using currently and will continue to use to get people involved in the community yeah. of Beyond Healing Center mm-hmm. and what that can be. You know, you're not just getting... Uh, 
a bumper sticker. And I mean, you get that too because that that's is fun. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody really likes fun. stickers. Everybody <laughs> loves stickers. Um, but it's so much more than that if you want it to be. Yeah. We have consultations that we do just for our Patreon members. We have content that's released mm-hmm. just for them and yes. all nine hours of Yeah, so Mel's that, that retreat that I was talking about, the participant um, agreed to, and thank you so much to this, this human that willingly is sharing her story and her process uh, with you guys for learning purposes. Yeah. Um, but already on Patreon, it's a little over an hour and it is a recording of the history taking and treatment planning uh, session that I did with her for an EMDR retreat, a three day retreat using SIP. Yeah. And so it is just a full demonstration of the power of SIP and EMDR combined. Yes. And then we'll be releasing um, all of the hours. It's a full nine hours of her retreat. And we go through the whole process. You uh, hear float backs. You hear um, several different uh, target reprocessing sessions. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a resourcing session with a conclusion and a wrap up. Yes. Um, and so it, it's just a, yeah, a, a seamless arc of treatment and now she was an ideal client yeah <laughs> so it's a you know a, a relatively not messy yeah. experience Go quick. Um, yeah. but i think it does demonstrate the power both of uh, an emdr retreat setting and how beautiful that can be and then using sip to do the case conceptualization so all of that will be on patreon part of it already is yeah um and so when you get on there you'll see that there are a few different tiers that you can choose from and uh the lowest one i think it's three dollars a month um, doesn't get you access to everything, but the five dollar, ten dollar, twenty dollar, every you know level up gets you more and more access to different content. So just depending yeah. on your situation, your needs, your budget, there should be a tier there that's going to be a fit for you. Um, so yeah, we invite yeah. you guys to go check out Patreon.com/slash Beyond Healing Center and yes. be a part of the BHC community. Yes, absolutely, and that is really the the kind of last point that I wanted to make. You know. We, we love doing trainings and we love doing consultation mm-hmm. and supervision and, and individual therapy, but ultimately the overarching goal is that we would build a community that is shifting the culture of professional counseling, psychotherapy, mm-hmm. et cetera, mm-hmm. towards being the best yeah. therapy that we can possibly be, yeah. being the best therapist, being, you know, doing the most meaningful work, um, that mm-hmm. that would be where we kind of center our focus on mm-hmm. um, building community in that way and encouraging one another, inviting one another, including yes. one another yes. into that space. Um, so Patreon is one of our main conduits at this point, but yeah. we also do consultation. And then mm-hmm. I wanted to briefly go back over the the dates for the upcoming yeah. trainings. 2021 so, is a crazy year already. Yeah. And it's only going to keep getting crazier. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, if you guys know anybody that uh, needs to do their EMDR training, we are going to have um, two coming up here in the Midwest. We've got one in Oklahoma in August, and we've got one here in Springfield um, in September. Also, we're going to be at the Andrea Conference hey. uh, in Denver at the end of August. So come and hang out with Please us and come say to the hi. Base. I will love, be there. Yeah, we'll all be there. Wait. We would love to meet you. I'll talk to you about whatever you want. Just yes. come by. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the SIP virtual training is May 6th through the 8th. And yeah. you can find all of the information and registration on our website at beyondhealingcenter.com under the trainings tab. And if you have any questions at all, you can always email us at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com and we would love to answer your questions yes all right guys i think that's it i know thanks so much all right we'll talk to you next time 
Thanks for listening to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. We hope something you've heard today will help you help your clients. Find our latest episode and more on our Facebook page or on our website, emdr-podcast.com. And don't forget to add us to your RSS feed or follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher so that you don't miss an episode. Please email questions and comments to notice that at emdr-podcast.com. From all of us here at Notice That, see you next time.